Right, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and verse 19, it says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so we've been teaching from uh, this series on a season, a season of change, a season of change. And this is lesson number six. And the objective of this series is to bring you and I to a place in life where we begin to understand, value, and appreciate change, thus embracing it as we would a dear friend. Now go to 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 3, because we looked at this our last time together in last week's lesson, and that was some things we pulled out. If you look at verse number 10, it says, So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, asses tied, and tents as they were. And so we know that this comes upon the hill of a decision that these four lepers made as they were sitting at the entrance of the gate. And from that, we gave you eight factors of change, eight factors of change. Number one, we said, until you make a decision, your life is on hold. Until you make a decision, your life is on hold. Number two, we said the assumed obvious can become your awesome opportunity if you move towards it in expectation and faith. Number three, we said just because a situation doesn't seem favorable does not mean that God cannot favor you in that situation. Number four, we said if you do nothing, your results will always be the same. If you do nothing, your results will always be the same. Number five, we said your provision, your prosperity, and your possession will be the result of the steps that you take, the result of the steps that you take. Number six, we said the moment you set your heart in faith to believe God and believe his word, angels are performing a prosperous and favorable outcome for you. And then uh, number, seven, well, number seven, we said whenever God blesses you, he has more than you in mind. When he blesses you, he has more than you in mind. And then we said that change is so much bigger than you. Change is so much bigger than you. And it's important for every father to understand that. It's important for every mother to understand that, every husband, every wife, you know, every employee, every employer. You know, it's important that we all understand that change is so much bigger than us. So we cannot become selfish to where we are unwilling to change. Amen? Now go to Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter number 26, and let's look at Jesus. Jesus always sets great examples for us, and we can always draw, withdraw from the life of Jesus to see what we need to do and how we need to be, you know, conducting ourselves, managing our lives so we can have what God wants us to have. If you're going to manage, maintain, and maximize change, there's several things that, that need, to, need to take place in your life, and that is, number one, that your resolution must outweigh your reservations. Your resolution, the decision you make to change, that if I am going to manage this change, maintain the change that I've made, maximize this change, get, get the most out of the change, 
get the maximum I can get out of this change that I have made, then my resolution, that decision, that resolve, it must continue to outweigh my reservations. My courage must outweigh my complaints. You must have more courage than you do complaints about a thing. Your discipline must outweigh your discomfort. Discipline outweigh your discomfort. Your reason must outweigh your resistance. Your reason has to be greater than your resistance. Your faith outweighs your fears, and you must be willing to endure temporary discomfort for the promise of permanent prosperity. And then lastly, you must choose, and this is always, say always. always. You must always choose God's will over your emotions. Always choose God's will over your emotions. Now, people of God, you and I both know that our emotions can be screaming out a whole lot of things. But here's the thing. If we, if we don't learn to live by principle and just continue living by emotions, we will always be unstable. Why? Because, see, if I live my life by my emotions, whenever I make a decision, if I make a decision solely based on emotion, then when the emotion change, now the decision must change. And that's why we have to make our decisions based on the principles of the Word of God, based on the only thing that is constant, the only thing that is unchanging is the Word of God. And so I have to make decisions based on the principles of the Word, especially in child rearing, when I'm raising my children. I cannot raise my children based on how I'm feeling at the time but I must raise them based on the principles of the Word of God. And if I raise them based on the principles of the Word, then what I said yesterday, I'm going to say the same thing today. Amen? All right. Now, you should be in Matthew chapter what? 26. Now, let's look at verse 38 and 39. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38 and verse 39. And this is Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. And look what he says in verse 38. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Regarding this, this matter of having to die, he says, Tarry ye here and, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now the cup was the death, the death that Jesus was to die for mankind, for humanity. He says, let this cup pass from me. But then he goes on, and look what he says. He wraps it up by saying, nevertheless, nevertheless. Say, say with me. Say, nevertheless, nevertheless always, the greater. always the greater. Say it again. Nevertheless, nevertheless always, the greater. always the greater. Now, the, the less or the least here is his emotion, his feelings his flesh. That's the less. That's the least. But he says, nevertheless, thy will be done. See, God's will was the greatest. God's will was greater than his emotion. God's will was greater than his flesh. God's will was much greater than what he was feeling at the time. But he says, you know what? Nevertheless, I'm, I'm not going to go with the less here. I'm going to stick with the greater, and the greater is the will of God. So despite, and we see this even in Jesus, despite how Jesus was feeling, 
he still made a quality decision to go with the will of God. So he had to make a change because in this garden, and folks, you know, this is only two, two passages, but when you really read about Jesus and, and, and what he's going through in that garden, there is a lot of emotional agony that he's having to deal with in that garden. So this is not just some little easy decision that he's making. He's not just, he's not just flowing in the spirit, as it were, and, and just saying, well, you know, I could do this, or I could do that, and so, well, I'm going to choose God's will. No, it's not. He, he's going through the same thing you go through. The Bible said that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But in all points, he was tempted just like you and I were, yet without sin. And so he was tempted. He goes through the same temptation and things that you and I go through, but the Scripture says, yet without sin. So here, Jesus has an opportunity to enter into sin, but he chose not to, watch this, because he put his emotions and his feelings in check. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to always decide to live by the will of God and not our emotions. Amen. I want to read that same passage from another translation. Look, look what this translation here says. Just thinking about it, the sorrow is crushing the life out of me. Just thinking about it. And folks, let me tell you something. Sometimes when you have to make decisions, and you know, you, you know and I, I think what separates Leaders from followers is the decisions that they can make. A leader knows how to make the tough decisions, how to make the tough choices, even when it doesn't appear easy, even when it's hard, even when it hurts. You know, leader steps up and makes the tough choices. And you want to be a leader of your life. You want to be the CEO of your life where you can make some quality decisions and not just be a person who letting their emotions be the CEO and you just following whatever your emotions say. Amen? But folks, when you're making decisions, now he says here, he said, just thinking about it is crushing the life out of me. And sometimes, you know, just the emotion that you go through, the emotional pain, the emotional agony, the emotional turmoil that you can go through sometimes can be just as tough as making the actual decision. I mean, sometimes just trying to come to a point where you decide it's just, it's just as hard as it is actually making this new change and walking out this new change. You spend four months, you know, going over a situation back and forth about a decision that you know you should have made and you need to make, and then once you make it, you'd be like, oh, it wasn't that bad after all. Man, if I'd have known it was going to be like this, I'd have made this decision three months ago. Why? Because, and that's what Jesus is dealing with. That's what Jesus is dealing with here. And so he's dealing with having to make a tough decision, make a tough choice, but he made the decision. He said, nevertheless, always the greater, I'm going with the will of God. Nevertheless, not my will, let your will be done. Not what I want to do here, because what Jesus wanted to do, Jesus wanted to back out at this time. He wanted to back out. So I want you to know you're in good company when you're ready to back out because Jesus was ready to back out. Maybe I'm at the wrong church this morning. Is there anybody in here this morning that ever felt like backing out? Anybody felt like backing out last year? Last week? Just the other day? How about you thought about it again this morning? 
Yeah, that's where we live, man. That's where we live, but praise God, we can make a decision based on the will of God and not based on our emotion and not based on our flesh. And that's where you draw the line between the men and the boys, the girls and the ladies. That's where you draw it right there. Amen. So he says, nevertheless, not as I will, not as I will, because what I want to do, I want to let this cup pass, but it's not about what I want to do. And always remember that change is so much bigger than you. It's not about just what you want, husband, or wife, or children, or, or whatever it may be. It's not just about what you want. It's about making a decision for the greater good and making a decision based on the will of God. Amen. Now, let's see how he was able to do this. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. We are faced with life altering decisions all the time. Now, keep this in mind. Decisions are long-lasting and life-altering. Decisions are what? Long-lasting and what? Life-altering. Every decision that you and I make, it's affecting our lives in some way. And that's why you have to be very careful about the decisions that you make. One decision can take your life down. One decision can take your life up. One decision can cause you years of pain, years of struggle, years of agony. I mean, one decision can, just, just one decision can put your life in a tailspin. People are incarcerated today, and I already know, every, you know, you, know I'm, you understand what I'm saying. You know, there are some people who are there, you know, uh, you know, and falsely accused. We understand all of that, but just listen to what I'm saying to you. People are where they are today because of the decisions that they've made. Because of the decisions that you made. There may be some people sitting in here today who are having health challenges and not just because of the devil, but because of the decisions that you have made, the choices that you have made. Some of us are un unhappy with our lives, unsatisfied with our life because of the decisions and the choices that we have made. We have experienced things in our life because of the decisions and choices that we have made. Life is choice-driven. Your life, my life, is a series of decision-making. And that's why we have, that's why the Bible teaches us to count the cost before you do a thing. Count the cost to see if you have sufficiency to finish, to see if you're willing to go all the way through with what you're deciding upon. Amen. Amen. So decision, decisions is powerful, man. Decisions are powerful. You just can't marry somebody. We made a decision, you know that? And that's what it's going to come down to a decision, but have you counted the cost? Amen. Amen. So you have to be careful about decision. So Hebrews, let's see how Jesus was able to do this. I seem like I've spent too much time on that. Hebrews chapter 12. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, but you know. All right, look at verse number two. Looking unto Jesus. This is how we, see, this is how we're able to lay aside weight, and, and sin that besets us, sin that keeps setting us back. Sin always sets you back. It could set you back a month. It could set you back a year. It could set you back 10 years. But sin always sets you back. 
If you want to go forward, sin's not the way. Sin sets you back. Sin's a credit card. You don't pay today. But you're going to pay with interest. But you, 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 you know, the bill's coming. And you're going to have to pay it. Now, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the what? Joy that was what? Set before him, he did what? Endured the cross. This cross that he wanted to pass, remember he said, let this cup pass? This is what he saw in that cup. He said, let this cup pass. I don't want this cross. I don't want these thorns. Uh, writings talk about how what he really dreaded was being separated from the Father because that's what him taking on the sins of the world was going to do. It was going to separate him from his Father. And he felt that uh, when he was on the cross, and that's why he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabatana, uh, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt forsaken because sin always separates you from God. Adam shows us that. When Adam got off into sin, he was separated, shut off from fellowship with God. And so here, the Bible said, for the joy that was set before him. So watch this, people of God, that here Jesus is in this garden, and he's struggling with making a decision to go with the will of God or go with his flesh. Go with what his flesh is saying or walk this thing out by faith. And so here he is, he makes a decision to go with the will of God. Why? The scripture says here, because the joy that was set before him. So in the midst of struggling with that decision, he finds something that's greater than the, than the feelings that he's having. And that is the joy of seeing everybody else born again, the joy of seeing others be able to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the joy of pleasing the Father, the joy of doing what God wants him to do. The Bible said now he was able to endure that cross. You have to establish a joy that outweighs your pain. Establishing a joy that outweighs your pain if you're going to be able to obey, obey God. So let's finish talking about, get back into, we was talking about embracing a new thing. That's our subtopic. And so we start talking about enemies to keep, that keep us from embracing a new thing. Number one, we talked about mentally holding on to the past. Uh, number two, mentally denying that better is for you. Number three, refusal to accept responsibility for change. Number four, uh, mental bondage to past failures. Some people are locked into past failures. They have this mental bondage. Let's look at Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1 mental bondage to past failure. Now, let me tell you what mental bondage to past failures creates in your life. Bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness is the enslavement to painful memories. The enslavement to a painful memory. The enslavement to a painful past. That's where bitterness, bitterness comes in. But in Luke chapter 5 and verse, verse number 1, um, watch this. Uh, verse number one says, And it came to pass that, at, that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesareth and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And watch this. Now when he had left speaking... 
he said unto, unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And he's really talking about a catch. Let your nets down so you can catch. Remember, they're washing their nets. We're done. We, we're washing our nets. We're done. We hadn't caught anything. And Jesus said, launch out into the deep. Make a change. You've been right here. Get out in the deep. Do something different. Make a change. Launch out into the deep. Do something innovative. Do something creative. Launch out into the deep. And I'm telling you, when Jesus told them this, this was not the best decision to make. It wasn't the best decision to make. He says, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Now, he's giving him excuses of why he can't do what Jesus just said. But look at that next word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. See, now what's the less here? The less is the excuse you've given me. That's the less. He says, let down your nets for a draw, for a catch, and he brings up the less. Well, we, we, we've been out here all night. Well, you, I'm telling you to go out in the deep. You ain't been out in the deep yet. Go out there. Lunch out into the deep. Have you, have you tried everything? Have you exhausted all of your options? He says, launch out into the deep. Let down your net for a draw. He said, we taught all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. We're going with the greater. The greater is the word of God here. He says, nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish. Now, look what they would have missed out on if they would have stuck with their excuses. Excuses rob you from your future. Excuses rob you from your, from your future. As long as you're just making excuses and coming up with excuses. Excuses are nothing more than, than a crutch and a way out for someone who's not committed. That's all it is. And so you cannot go with your excuses. You have to go with the greater here. And the word of God is always the greater. He says, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to let down the nets. And then they caught a great multitude of fish. Until you can do something untraditional, unconventional, something out of the box, you're not ready for the next place. You're not ready for the next level. You got to be willing to launch out into the deep. Anybody can fish around the banks. Anybody can stay in the shallow water. But it takes somebody, you know, innovative to get out into the deep and try something. Yes. Something you've never done before. Yes. Something you've never tried before. If you're going to embrace a new thing. Say, I am embracing a new thing. I am embracing a new thing. Now, for the rest of the way, I want to talk to you about number five. And I think that's the only one we'll be able to cover today. I want to talk to you about deception. Deception. Um... The greatest deception you will ever experience is self-deception. Now, stop being mad at all the people who deceive you. Because no one can deceive you beyond your having deceived yourself first. See, no one can deceive you that you don't choose to believe. <laughs> See, you're upset with them, but you chose to believe them. You said, I see that. Oh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> you said, yeah, that, yeah, that do make sense. 
See, you, you said that. No one, see, self, you, you are never deceived. You, you are never deceived by anyone beyond having been deceived by yourself first. <laughs> See, I, I, okay, okay, all right, all right. Let's, let's work a little bit then. Let's, let's, let's work, let's work a little bit. Now, let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Deception. Deception is one of the things that keep you and I from embracing the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. Deception. There are some people that keep making the same old dumb mistakes. And you know why? You're deceived. Yeah. See, you think it's going to be different this time. Yeah. And so you keep, doing, you keep doing the same thing, making the same decision, making the same old mistakes, keep falling, you know, that okey-doke. You know what the okey-doke is, right? You keep falling for that okey-doke. And you keep falling for the okey-doke. I mean, they're not even changing it up with you. They just... They just you know, they didn't, they didn't took you to the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. They say, what's that? Same thing. Same thing, man. They, they, just, they, just, they just keep doing same thing on you, man. <laughs> they, not even, they not even trying to be creative with you no more. They not even trying to, you know, come up with anything different. They just keep doing what? Same thing. <laughs> and you the one keep falling for it. He told you that last time. <laughs> James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Deception. Deception. We've all been deceived. Anybody in here been deceived? Yeah, we've all, we've all been deceived. We've all been deceived and we have all deceived. Amen. <laughs> We, we've all been there, but that's not the will of God. Right. It's not. And see, whatever man sows, that's what he's going to reap. You deceive others, you're going to be deceived. That's right. See, that's the word. Now, here's the thing. Now, to think you will not be deceived, although you've deceived others, you're deceived. Because, see, the Scripture says whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And to think that something's going to be different, then you're, you're deceived. You're deceived. You're deceived when you think you're going to have a different outcome outside of what God has said. See, that's deception. That's deception. Now, look at James chapter 2 and verse number, I said 2 is, is chapter 1, excuse me. Uh, James chapter 1. He says, uh, verse 22, all right, verse 21 says, Wherefore I lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to do what? Save your soul. So the word contains the power to do some things in our lives. He says, but, what? Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, what? Deceiving your own selves. Yeah. That when you just hear the word, and just because you've heard it, you're of the opinion and the persuasion that it's going to automatically produce what it said it's going to produce, then if, if that's where you are, if that's your position, you're deceived. He says, now the Word is able to save your soul. The engrafted Word. The Word's able to save your soul, so it is your marriage. 
So it is your business. So it is your health. So it is your peace. I mean, the word, the word has the ability, it contains the ability to do something in our lives, but we have to do the word first. Right. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, what? Deceiving your own self. Now look who's deceiving who. He said, you're deceiving your own self. If you think you can just hear the word and the word is going to automatically produce in your life, you are deceived. It's not going to happen. It's not, the Lord is not blessing folk anyhow. See, you might, you might well forget that. You know, the Lord will bless you anyhow. No, no, he won't. See, see you're deceived because the scriptures just said, if you are hearing and not doing, you're deceived to think you're going to be blessed. See, that, that is a deception. It's a deception, and it is self-deception. Amen? Now, look down. Let's look, at, let's look at verse number, look at verse number 20, I think 26 or, or, or 27. Look what he goes on to say. Um, well, verse 23 says, For if any man, for if any, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgeteth what matter man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, talking about the word of God, and continueth therein, he, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work or of the word, what? This man shall be what? Blessed in his deed. Who's going to be blessed in his deed? The guy who hears the word and does the word, that's the man that's going to be blessed in, the, in his deed. If you're hearing and not doing, you're not going to be blessed. And to think that you, you are, you are greatly deceived. The Bible says when you hear the word, because the Bible teaches that the word of God is a mirror. And so when we hear the word of God, we see exactly who we are from God's perspective. But now when I walk away and don't do what I hear. See, as long as we're sitting in this setting, most of us, we get an image or an idea of what we're going to do with that word that we're receiving. You know, you, you hear the Word of God about a particular area of your life, and, and man, you're sitting there like, yeah, 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 that's me. That, oh, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, praise God. And so you, you get a hold of that. See, you're looking in a mirror. You're looking in a mirror, and, and you see yourself, you, you see yourself, you know, out of debt. You see yourself blessed. You see yourself with your needs met. You know, you see yourself getting your credit straight. You know, that's how you see yourself, because you're sitting there listening to the Word. And so you're listening to that Word, you're looking in that mirror, you say, yeah, that, that's me. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of debt. I'm out of debt. My needs are met. Yeah, I got plenty more to see and show. But now when you walk away and don't do, you forgot about the man you just saw. Now you've gone back to your own self and nothing's going to change because you've deceived yourself. You just think it's going to happen. Amen? So you're going to have to do the word. If not, you're deceived. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. Deception. Deception. And there are a lot of people that live under deception, constant deception all the time. People are hurt today because of constant deception, constant deception. You know, we're doing the, uh, the financial peace class, uh, Financial Peace University, and, you know, I applaud those who gotten involved and doing what you need to do. And, you know, I've been hearing some reports and testimonies from various people of, of adjust, adjustments that they're making, steps that they are taking, because things don't just go away. Right? right? And so... 
Uh, and, you know, and so once we're done with that class, we're going to start up another class. We have a, a, a member of our church. He's a financial advisor. And so he's, he's gonna start, we're going to start another class that's going to ride piggyback off of that class. <laughs> and for some of you who probably didn't get in on financial university this time, then you'll be able to get in on the other class. And that class uh, is going to be a step further, take you a little bit further. Uh, it won't be a charge for that class, but you'll be able to get in now, come to those classes like five weeks long, but come to those classes. See, if you want something to change, you have to do something different. Right. And I just think it's so wonderful you can be a part of a ministry that will provide what you need so you can do what you need to do. Amen. 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 And so when, we, when we sh we're going to start advertising it soon, and I want you to get in, you know, I want many of you, especially those of you who need to get in the class, you know, this ain't no time to be acting like, you know, you all that. And, and you know, you, you got everything together, and you know, you know you and your wife fighting like cats and dogs, you know, over money you don't have. How you going to fight over what you don't have? Arguing about a bill. We can't pay them. Why we Morgan? Let's go do something. Let's go outside. You know, walk around in the neighborhood. Why we gotta? Why we gotta sit up and argue? Ain't no need arguing about this. Them folk called again. They gonna call tomorrow. Ain't no need up. Ain't no need up. What what you tell them? Don't be misleading them folk, acting like we gonna have it next week. You know we ain't got it. But I got you, baby. <laughs> Man, you mess up a good night, man. <laughs> Look at verse number seven. Verse seven says, Be not deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can't, you can't make a fool out of God. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked, or God will not be made a fool of. Uh -huh. He will not allow himself to be disdained or mocked at. He says, what he goes on to say, for whatsoever man soweth, what? That shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you shall love the flesh, what? Reap corruption. And see, if you think you can sow to the flesh, and you're not going to experience corruption, you are deceived. You're deceived, and now you're even trying to fool God. Yeah. But God will not be made a fool of. That's right. You can't deceive God. If you think you can, you can live an ungodly life, you can live in sin, you can live in rebellion, live in unrighteousness, and think that you're not going to reap corruption, yeah. Yeah. you think you're not going to destroy your family, you think that your family's not going to suffer from this? You think that you're not going to throw your career away, your life away by some of the things that you do? If you think you can do what you're doing and everything's going to be fine, you are greatly deceived. Yeah. Yeah. And see, the thing is, to think that it's going to be something other than what God said is going to be, you're deceived. See, if you think you cannot bring the tithe into God's storehouse and you're not going to be cursed, you're deceived. You're deceived. If you think you can walk in unforgiveness and don't forgive others and think that God's going to forgive you, you are deceived. Yeah. 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 
See, that's deception. If you think that you can treat your enemies any kind of way, that you can walk around in hatred and anger at others and be bitter toward others, and you're not going to suffer from that, if that's what you think, you are deceived. See, you are deceived when you think something other than what God said is going to happen is going to happen. That's when you know that you are deceived. And God will not be made. You can't make a fool out of God. Amen. So deception and so what it does, it keeps me from embracing this new thing that God wants to do in my life. I'm deceived. I'm deceived, thinking I'm going to get the results from the same thing that I've been doing. It's not going to happen. That's deception. Amen. All right, let's look at another passage. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. Somebody say deception. Man, I've been deceived before. You know, you, you think you can run around on your wife? <laughs> Man, you, you're deceived. You have these, I call them competing affections. Competing affections. You got your affections out there for competition, you know, between your wife and your lady friend. Amen. Or your husband and your, you know, your male friend. See, competing affections. And so if you think it's going to be well, you think you're not going to be found out, you keep snatching money out of that cash register and you think they're not going to find out, you think it's going to be well, it's not. It's not. See, you're, you're dece that's deception. You think you can dis disrespect your parents, teenagers, think you can talk to your parents any kind of way. You know, your parents tell you to do something, you're around here snatching your head and, and, and rolling your eyes, and, and, and you think it's going to be well with you. The, the Bible says if you dishonor your parents, it is not going to be well with you. I don't care what your little homeboys, your little homegirls say, all your little partners at school, they're just as foolish as they can be too if that's what they're trying to get you to do. But if you think you can disrespect your parents and think you have the right to do so because you know you're a little bit taller than them and all of that and, and they halfway scared of you and you think you can get by, you are not going to get... It's just a matter... Something's laying around the corner waiting on you. It, it's, just, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. And you think that make you some kind of, you know, some kind of little man. You can talk to your parents any kind of way in front of your little friend. Come on, man, man, come on. My mama just tripping. Come on, man. No, you the fool. You the one tripping, and you're going to trip over something that's going to bust your face wide open. See, that's, that's deception. That's deception. You think you can lay around and you ain't going to get pregnant. You're not going to get, you know, some kind of sexually transmitted disease. See, you, you deceiving. What makes you think you exempt? What makes you think you exempt? The wedges of sin is dead for everybody but you. Why you think you exempt? See, that's, that's not exemption. That's deception. Ain't nobody going to find out. I know a place. I know a spot. David said, if I go to hell, uh-oh, there go God. If I make my bed in hell, God down. If I go to the uttermost part of the world, there You get in the bushes, God in the bushes. You, you get under the bed, God under the bed. You can't get away. You can be in the club, in the corner, in the back, in the booth, in the dark. God is right there too, baby. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from it. You think because you didn't close the curtain, now God can't see? 
<laughs> Genesis chapter 3. You can't, you can't hide. Tell the person that you say, no, 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 no hiding place. Tell them this, say, 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 I may not have saw you. Somebody saw you. And folks, I'm telling you now, this ain't the time to be tripping. This ain't the time to be doing foolish stuff. Folk passing by with cell phones, snatching pictures and all that. Man, you better, you better wise up. You, you better wise up. Before, before you get home, you already on the internet, baby. You better, you better open your eyes. You worldwide, man. For you, you riding home, already fabricated your life. And you, and you worldwide. Where you been? I, 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 was, I was over there. I was over there with Terrence Neal. Okay, hold on right quick. Hold on. Click. Who this? Who that? Who that? Who, who that? Do that look like Terrence to you? Negro, do that look like Terrence? That look like Taisha. That ain't that ain't that ain't Karen. That's Taisha. Self-deception. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he, oh my goodness, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the trees, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, Ye shall not eat, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not die. It ain't gonna, baby, that ain't going to happen. That ain't gonna, that's, that's not going to happen. You're not going to die. For God do it know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And eyes of them both were open. Now, go down to verse number 12. Verse number 12, and there's a whole lot in there, but let's look at verse 12. And the man said, this is after God fronted them, the woman whom thou gave it to me, to, to, uh, to, be, to be with me. You know, so he, he blamed, you know, what a man, what a man, what a man, boy, what, what a man, boy. She gave me of the tree and I did eat. So that, that's why I did, she gave it to me. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me. He deceived me. Now, folks, you know what's so, what's so, what's so terrible about that? Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was. See, he wasn't deceived because he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. So he was not deceived. It's not that he thought, well, you know, nothing's going to happen. God's not going to. No, he knew. That's why he wasn't. See, deception is when you think something other than what God said is not going to happen. And so he wasn't see, He knew exactly what was going to happen. Now, let, let me take you to a passage that actually says that. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14. 1 Timothy 2 and 14. He wasn't even deceived. She didn't even have to, you know, she ain't work on him. 
She just said, hmm, well, eat, eat this. And he, he took it and, and he ate it, although God told him not to. God told him exactly what was going to happen. Look at verse number 14. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Adam was not deceived. So I almost, you almost think he, 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 he was just waiting on somebody to open up an opportunity. He was not deceived. She's the one that was deceived because the devil told her, oh, that's not, that's not going to happen. Let me give you this. I want to give you six things that must be present to be deceived. And we'll, 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 uh, we'll, end, we'll end here. These six things. Number one, emotional appeal. You cannot be deceived without emotional appeal. Somebody has to make an emotional appeal toward you. I never forget, I bought some carpet from a guy. And, and I remember this so clear, and I talk about it all the time because that boy took my last little money. <laughs> you know, you remember stuff, man, when it, when, <laughs> you know, I remember, man, I, I, we was, uh, this was years ago, and I needed some carpet. And, uh, you know, believe in God for some carpet, and, you know, couldn't go, you couldn't go to the, to the store and buy carpet. It was, I had enough money where if somebody came by with some carpet. <laughs> yeah, I ain't, I ain't have store carpet money. I had back of the truck money, you know, carpet money. This guy came by, man. He, I mean, it was just, I mean, just, just like God, man. I'm believing God for carpet. And this guy pulled up in his van. All oh, this carpet sticking out the back. And boy, you know, you, oh, this ain't nobody but God, man. This is God, man. That boy, tried, he was trying to sell me some carpet, you know. Man, how much you got? How much you got, young blood? You know, I told him, yeah, man, all I have it. Come on, man, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to hook you up. So this boy, he took this carpet out. It was a big room. He took this carpet, and he started rolling this carpet. He said, man, I ain't trying to mess over you. Let me, let me show you. He started rolling this carpet out. I mean, it was, it was rolling. And then he, he put his foot out and stopped it at a certain point. And I, you, all this was pretty. And he stopped it right there. <laughs> oh, he had this thing. He'd been, he been working this thing, man. He, he rolling that carpet. He, he said, look, look at that, man. Look at that. Look at that. And I looked at it. I said, wow, man. He told me, walk on that. Walk on that. Walk on that. So I'm walking on it, you know. And I'm walking on it. I said, oh, yeah, man, that's it. That's it. And so he said, he said, man, you wasting my time. He started rolling it back up. I said, no, man, no, I buy it. I buy the carpet. I buy it. Man, that dude left, took my little money. I finished rolling that carpet out. <laughs> man, that carpet had holes and stains in it all. And, you know, I run outside looking for him, you know. <laughs> But see, the only way he deceived me was because I deceived myself first. I thought that the carpet was exactly what he said. Rather than have him go and roll the whole, I wonder what would have happened if I told him, no, go and roll the rest of that out, man. Deceived. But he gave me an emotional appeal. Here's another factor that when you're deceived, number two is trust. You can't be deceived by anybody you don't trust. So with that, I want to tell you something. Most of the people that you'll be deceived by are people you trust. The people you trust. Trust has to be involved for you to be deceived. Number three, an appearance of a benefit or advantage. If you don't see what appears to be a benefit for you or an advantage for you, you cannot be deceived. That has to be there. See, that carpet, me having that carpet gave me an advantage. It gave me a benefit. I saw where I could benefit from that. And I got deceived. 
Number three is urgency or need. Number four, number four, number four, urgency or need. When there is urgency, well, I, I need it. Man, I, I got to have it. I, I need it now. And that's how you get took. That's why you, gotta, you, you never let people see you sweat. You got to act like you don't need it when you need it. Because you can pull yourself away from being deceived. They already have emotional appeal. They're working on your emotions, you know, and, and painting these pictures of, of what you're going to do if you don't get it and all. So that urgency and that need. Urgency and need. You know, you get deceived, you know, uh, the next thing is the lust of the flesh has to be present. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh have to be present. I remember a guy, I don't even know how this guy did this, and some of you may know how he did it. That was a guy, uh, this is years ago, this person says, this is a long time ago. Yeah, this is not last week, this is a long time ago. This guy uh, pulled, I guess what they call a pigeon, however that word. Uh, uh, some was, dropped a pigeon? Dropped a pigeon on me. Man, he, I was riding in this cab. <laughs> I'm riding in this cab, and guy got me in the back of the cab, and he had this bag. And this bag, some kind of way, I think the bag had a lot of money in it or something. Bag had a lot of money, supposedly had. Yeah, he showed me some money and, and, and some man, some kind of way, I give him some money and, and he gonna give me the bag. And, and, but when the deal went down, I got the bag. But I don't know where the money went. He dropped the pigeon. Anybody drop a pigeon on you? Or you didn't drop, who, who didn't drop the pigeon on? Who know what I'm talking about? You used to do that? Oh, you, you, you had it done to you. How he look? <laughs> okay, lust. So, see, now, 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 you know how I got deceived? The lust of the flesh, I wanted something for nothing. I wanted something for nothing. And because I wanted something for nothing, I put myself in a position to be deceived. And then lastly, a level of desire. For you to be deceived, there must be present a level of desire. A level of desire. It has to be something you want. See, when you don't want something, incentives don't even matter. It doesn't even matter what you say you're going to do. I'm not, even, I'm not even interested. See, you couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't cut a good deal with me, you know, on, on some kind of drugs. See, you can't, you can't, cause see, there's no desire. There's no desire, there's no need, you know, so it doesn't matter what your emotional appeal is and all of that. I don't see why I'm gonna benefit. That's, that's to no advantage of mine. And so it doesn't matter. Well, man, I tell you what, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw two more rocks in there for you. Well, see, you, you can throw all the rocks in there. But see, now, see, that's just one thing. But see, we all have different things in here that we have desire for. And see, what's not, what's not tempting for one man is a struggle for another man. And that's why the Bible said you have to know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. So you got to know what you can handle and keep yourself out of certain situations and circumstances. Stop, stop allowing yourself to be placed in certain situations. And you know you can't, you can't handle it. Amen? Amen? Let's look at this last scripture and I'm done. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll show you this one and it'll be it. No deception. 
Gotta stop being deceived. Don't, don't let people deceive you. Ask questions. Ask tough questions. Ask probing questions. Ask challenging questions. Amen. Don't think, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't want to ask them. Why not? They're asking you all kind of stuff. Why, why you didn't want to ask them? Oh, you trust them. You just took their word. Well, he said he, you know, he, he, say, he say all them cars here. <laughs> you know, he, if, he, if he proclaimed to be a Boaz, then you need to you need, check him out. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Check them out. People checking you out. You, you check people. You don't just get yourself in situations. You know, even those of you who in business, but you don't just, you don't just, you know, just get a business partner. Yeah. You check them out. Yeah. It may look one way on the surface, but man, under the surface, that thing could be jacked up. You going to jail too. And, I, and, you, and you completely innocent. The only thing you're guilty of is your, your deception. Your deception. Because look at, listen to this. If you don't remember anything else today, remember this. When God wants to bless your life and take you up, he's going to bring somebody into your life. When the devil wants to destroy your life and take you down, he's going to bring somebody into your life. He's all, that's, that's, just, that's just the way it is. And so you cannot just be so, so gullible and, and just so, so, so vulnerable, just, just so hard up to where you just, you, just, you just fall for anything, just the way he walk. It's just something about the way he walk. Just, just look how he, how he dip back when he, when he walk, girl, girl. I mean, he walk, he walk and fall, then look like he gonna come back for a minute. You know, you know, you, you. Attractive man, he need to make up his mind which way he gonna go. <laughs> All right, look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, "Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners." The Amplified says, "Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, see communions, association, corrupt and deprave good manners." and morals and character. You could be a good person, a person of, of character, integrity, great morals, but you get connected with evil people, people who have no integrity, people who are out here playing these games, people out here who just trying to take over, I mean, trying to take advantage of everybody. You know, if, if you're running with corrupt people, it's going to corrupt your good morals. Now, see, and the think is not. Oh, no, that ain't going to happen to me. See, that's deception. Because you think something other than what God said is going to happen, and it's not so. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap for the word this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.